Before John Yvette favors us with a beautiful solo this morning, we'll have a few announcements. Tomorrow night, of course, choir practice will begin at 6 o'clock, and following that, there'll be the men's dinner at 7 o'clock at Alberto's in Danville. So please see Jim Hyde today no later to make your selection and place your order because we need to give it to the restaurant this afternoon. And also, there'll be a women's Bible study here at the church taught by Sylvia at 7.30. On Wednesday night, we'll have our worship team practice at 5, and then at 6 o'clock, we'll have choir. And then at 7.30, we'll be back to our sing-along time and family Bible study in 2 Corinthians. So we look forward to that. On Thursday, there'll be the women's study at 10 o'clock, and then the Friday group meetings will be held as well. Don't forget to put on your calendar. Sunday, November 23rd is our Thanksgiving Sunday. The celebration we'll have. The choir will be singing and Adel will be bringing us the message from God's Word. So do pray about that and look forward to it. There will be no meetings that week of Thanksgiving during the week. No Monday and Wednesday and Thursday meetings on that week. A couple other announcements. Christmas is soon to come upon us. And the children are going to be singing in the Christmas program and the Christmas concert. And so we had asked that the parents have the children wear the following Christmas attire. This is very important. Boys are to wear a suit or a vest, a white shirt, black slacks, and black shoes. Very important. The girls are to wear Christmas dresses, which are in Christmas colors, and black shoes. So that's what they're to do. Also, a couple other things. Barbara is going to be taking pictures for us for the church, as she always does, but it's not going to be on a Sunday. It's going to be on the next two Saturdays, the 15th and the 22nd. So see Sonia to give the time that you'd like to come for that, because we're only going to do it on those two Sundays. And if you don't, Saturdays, I'm sorry, those two Saturdays, because, and if you don't have a chance to do it, she still has the ones from last year, but we want to get updated pictures, because we look more beautiful every year. So we want to have new pictures. So that is very important. Also, now we know about a certain young couple by the name of Michael Puzan and Jamie Hyde that are going to be married. And we have a date. We have a date for their wedding. So put it down. Write it down. It's going to be on March 14, 2009. So I'm sure that's going to be a Saturday, right? Saturday the 14th of March, 2009, and we're thrilled, and we can't wait. He proposed to her in the church foyer the other night, and we were crying, we were rejoicing, we were celebrating. When two people from this church get married, it's so special, and we are so thankful to the Lord. At this time now, we're going to call upon Jonavette, and she's going to bring a song to us, and then we'll have the message from God's Word. Cry, please. 
he's concerned about you. So while your tears are flowing through your time You know, it never ceases to amaze me how the Holy Spirit weaves everything together because the song we sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, goes with the message. And the song that John Yvette just sang goes with the message. And believe me, I never called Randy about what song he was going to pick and I never talked to John Yvette. I never like to do that. I always like to leave it with the Lord because he knows what we need to hear. And he weaves it together in such a beautiful and special way. He's concerned about you and all the six million yous in the world today. Six billion, I should say. Over six billion. And the world's population is growing every day. And God loves each one. He knows every heart and he loves every person and wants everyone to come to him. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, today we just thank you for this beautiful and special day. We thank you for little Haley, Lord. 
We can't wait to see what you're going to do in her life and what you're going to make her into. But we thank you that you've given her godly parents, godly grandparents, godly friends, and family. And we know that she's going to succeed with you because of prayer and the word of God and the support of this church. And Lord, we just want to pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak to our hearts through your word and bring us encouragement, Lord. May we see you this morning with our eyes of faith, our Lord and our Savior, dying for us, living for us, coming for us. And we just pray that you'll hide me behind the cross today, and may you be glorified in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in a world today that's full of uncertainty, full of trouble, full of problems, full of stress. It's everywhere. It's oozing out of our pores. But thanks be to God that when you have Christ in your life, you have peace. You have rest. You have something that the world does not understand. People will ask you, why are you not falling apart when your 401k is dissipating before your eyes? Why are you not falling apart when your spouse passed away? Why are you not falling apart when you lost your job? Why are you not falling apart when all these things are happening? The reason is Jesus. We oftentimes see as you drive in Castro Valley at Christmas time, they have a sign there. It's lit up at night. It says, Jesus is the reason for the season. He's not only the reason for the season, he's the reason for our lives. And he's not only the reason for our lives, but he's the reason for our eternity. Because we can know when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we're know, we'll know where we're going, that we're going to be with him in heaven forever. And anyone that doesn't know the Savior, we pray that before you leave today, you will accept him because he loves you so much and he loves all of us so much. Today, we're going to talk about the subject, his yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. You can probably guess where our text is going to be this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, and we'll begin reading at verse 28. I read the word every day, and I love I love the Word of God, and it speaks to my heart. And I'm always thinking, well, maybe, Lord, you want me to speak on this subject because it blessed me so much. Or maybe, Lord, you want me to speak on that subject because it was such an encouragement. But usually when I pray, the Lord will give me the message that he wants to be brought forth because there can only be one. You might have several in your mind, in your heart, that you feel are good messages, but it has to be God's will. Today, hopefully, something will be for every person in this room, because the words that we're going to read today are words of challenge, words of conviction, and words of comfort for everyone. Let's read it together, shall we? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're going to look at three simple 
commands that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in this passage and how it relates to us today. Number one, he says, come to me. Number two, he says, take my yoke upon you. And number three, he says, learn from me. May the Lord encourage us as we study and as we share in his word today. You know, this is an invitation that the Lord speaks forth, and he spoke it forth to his disciple and to all those who heard it, and he speaks it still today. And the word is so simple, come to me. In a world of chaos and confusion where people are busy and doing so many things, just stop and come to Jesus. That is what the key is in our lives. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your religion. What matters is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The King of kings and Lord of lords wants to know you and me in a personal way. He loves us in a personal way. That's why he says, come to me. You know, he doesn't say to come to a religion or a philosophy or a creed. He says, come to me. He says, come to a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we got very excited last Tuesday when we had the election. I've never seen anything like it personally. I saw excitement in the United States like I've never saw before, and I saw excitement in other countries of the world that I've never seen before. But I'll tell you one thing, no one politician, no matter what party he or she would be from, is going to change the world, is going to make everything all better. They have Band-Aids to put on it. They have aspirin to take. They don't have cures. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has a cure for man's real problem which is sin. The real problem is not the economy. It's not business. It's not the housing market. It's not the high prices of everything that we have today and all these things that are happening. The real problem is on the inside. And only Christ can solve the problem on the inside. And only he can change our lives inside out, not outside in. And that's why it's exciting to me today to be able to share this word with you because these are the words of God. These are the words of Christ. He has the answers. Isn't that exciting? He has the solutions. He has all that we need. But the key is the need for change is a spiritual change. Think how many times during this last political campaign we heard the word change used. We need change. We need change, both sides. We need change. You almost got tired of it. I wish they would change their message about change because it got so monotonous. But it's true the country needs a change. And there's many changes that they will make that I'm sure will be very good. However, the real change, as I mentioned, has to be a change of heart. It has to be a change of life. It has to be that we get touched from Christ, and then he will change us. And he comes to us and says this this morning, Come unto me, come to me. And he comes with arms wide open, and he says, come. He reminds me of the story of the prodigal son and how the father loved his son so much. And his son came to him and says, I want my inheritance. And he gave it to him, and he went off into a far country, and he spent it with riotous living and immoral living, wasted all the money, and ended up working on a pig farm. And for any Jewish young man, that would be the most low and horrible place. But he came to his senses, and he went back to his father. And his father was waiting for him on the porch. 
with arms wide open and put a robe on him and a ring on his finger and said, my son that was dead is now alive. He's back. And if that father could be that excited with the coming of his son, oh my gosh, how much more excited is God our heavenly father when we come home, when we come back to him? And you may be here this morning and you have heard the message before. You have gone to church before. You've known the way, but you've strayed a little bit. Good news. You can come back today. And God is still saying, come to me. He's still going to accept you. He's still going to love you because God is a God of second chances and third chances and many chances because his love is so great. God's love so rich and pure is so measureless and so sure. You know, John 6, 37 gives such an encouraging verse that says, where the Lord Jesus says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He's ready for us at any time. But you notice every day it seems there's a new religion starting. New false religions, new false cults all the time. Well, there was a story told of two famous men that were having a conversation. And the first one was from France. And he was a French philosopher by the name of Auguste Comte. And his friend that he was speaking to was a Scottish essayist by the name of Thomas Carlyle. And they were deeply engaged in a conversation. And Comte said, I'm going to start a new religion. And that's going to supplant the religion of Christ. It's going to have no mysteries. And it's going to be as simple as the multiplication table. And we're going to call it positivism. Now, I'll tell you one thing. You can be the most positive person in the world, but when everything's crumbling in your life, you need something more than positiveness or positive thinking. But this is the religion that he wanted to start, and people are still at it today. He said, very good, Mr. Comte. Carlyle replied, very good. All you need to do is speak as never a man spoke, live as never a man lived, be crucified, and rise again the third day, and get the world to believe that you're alive, then your religion will have a chance. I thought, wow, that is so true. If they would just use that criteria. Who alone but Jesus Christ ever claimed to be God, ever claimed to rise from the dead, ever claimed to have the message of life? Yes, only Jesus could say these words. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. And so many people say, well, there's another way. You can go through this religion or that philosophy. No, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Praise be to God. And who comes to Christ? Notice in verse 28, he tells us who needs to come to him. All who labor or are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When we sang that song about what a friend we have in Jesus, it said that, are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Yes, we are. Can't we all agree upon that today? We're cumbered, we're burdened with a load of care in our lives. And only the Lord Jesus can solve that care. The Greek word here for labor is the Greek word kopeo, which means to grow weary, to toil. It comes from the Greek word kopos, which means laborious toil. 
and you get up in the morning and you toil and you work through your day and you're tired, you go home, you go to bed, you start over the next day. You say, well, what meaning is life is that? Or maybe you go on vacation, but then vacation is over. Maybe you have a good weekend, but it's too short. And on and on. What is going to change that cycle is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because believe me, I could not face Monday morning at work. I could not face difficulties and problems in my life if I didn't have Jesus in my heart. Believe me, I couldn't. There's no way. There's just too much. You go on the computer, you see the bad news. You put on the TV, you see the good bad news. The newspapers, the magazines, everything. This whole thing on YouTube is just another way to see the bad news of the world. But guess what? Even though you might isolate yourself in a monastery or go far away and not try to hear any news at all, guess what? The bad news is in your heart because that's where sin is. It's in our life. That's why we need a radical change, not just a little change in our lives. We need a major overhaul of a new heart and a new life, and that's what the Lord wants to do for us. Yes, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with laboring. It's a good thing. But when we're laboring for our salvation to achieve God's standards of righteousness, we'll never make it. We'll never make it to heaven trying to do it on our own. Jesus did it on the cross. He paid the price for our sin. All we have to do is accept it and we'll have eternal life. And that is the blessing of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So many people today are loaded down with burdens. It reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ one day was speaking to the lawyers of his day. He said, you men load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Can you imagine if somebody was carrying three big heavy packages and they were barely able to do it, and along comes a person like a religious person and says, oh, here's one more for you to carry. That's what the Pharisees did. They didn't lift one finger to do it themselves. They put all the burdens on the poor people. Jesus does the opposite. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Christ does not come and put another burden on you. He comes to take your burdens off of you and give you peace and give you rest. That is the kind of Savior we have. That is the Jesus that we preach and we're so blessed to have in our lives. Yes, he says to come. He says to come. And I don't know about you, but I also heard a lot of promises made by the political uh, campaigns this year, not only by the presidential campaigns, but by people running for the Senate and for Congress and gov governors of different states and everything. And I'm always very interested to find out how many of those promises will actually be kept. And even more than that, how many really intend to keep the ones they say? That's even more interesting. But guess what? The promises that the politicians make, they break. But before we point a finger at them and say, that's really bad, we have to point three fingers back at us and say, how many of us on January 1 make all kinds of New Year's resolutions? I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And do we do it? Very rarely do any people keep those New Year's resolutions. But when God makes a promise, when Jesus himself makes a promise to you, you can count on it. 
It's not going to be subject to the whims and the changes and the tides of this world. When Jesus makes a promise, it's as sure as you can take it to the bank. And praise be to God. He says, I will give you rest. It's interesting in this portion that the Lord Jesus uses the personal pronoun I or my six times in three verses. And we are found in there five times. He uses the word you in there five times. That's how personal the Lord's message is to our hearts today. He loves us that much. He keeps his promises. Bill McDonald once said, this is the rest of salvation that comes from realizing that Christ finished the work of redemption on Calvary's cross. It is the rest of conscience that follows the realization that the penalty of one's sins has been paid for once for all, and God will not demand payment twice. You know, the devil tries to tell us how bad we are. Look at your sins and everything. Jesus paid that price. And Mr. Devil, when you come to tell me about my sins, I'm sorry, it's already been paid for by Jesus. You're not going to trouble me. You're not going to bother me at all. You know, the story is told of a Philippines uh, pastor that tells a parable about this portion in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. And he talked about a man who was in a wagon and he was going into town to the market. And along the way, he saw this older gentleman who was carrying this big, heavy load. And he saw him carrying the load, and he was barely able to walk, and he felt so bad for this older gentleman. So he said, my friend, would you like a ride into town? Oh, yes, I'd love to have a ride into town. So there they went off. And a few minutes later, the driver looks over to the man, and he can't believe it. He looks, and he sees the man is still struggling with this weight. He's still carrying it. He hasn't taken it off. And that's an illustration of the fact that Jesus died for the burden of our sins, but we're still carrying it around. He doesn't want anyone to carry that burden. He wants you to come to him and be forgiven and know the freedom to live for him. And that is the blessing of knowing the Lord, to knowing that that burden is gone. He doesn't want us to carry those burdens. Can you imagine carrying a burden of guilt everywhere you go? carrying a burden of shame, carrying the burden of sin everywhere you go. Sometimes you see the prisoners that have been arrested and they have a shackle around their legs. They can't walk. They're shackled by their legs. They're shackled by their arms. That's what sin does to us. It shackles us. What Jesus does is he bursts those chains. He takes them off. He wipes them out. He says, your sin is forgiven. And what a blessing it is. But you have to come to him. You can't do it your own way. It's not going to work. You can't take a self-improvement class that's going to make you into a Christian. Only Christ can make you into a Christian. It's like the story of the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly. Now, you might take that caterpillar and you might say, I can make a butterfly out of this. Look what I can do. You end up killing the caterpillar. You cannot make it into a butterfly. God can, and God does. And he does something even more incredible than that. He takes a poor, vile sinner like me and like you and makes us into a butterfly of his grace. That, my friend, is the greatest miracle in this world, that he can change our lives in such a way as give us all the new start that we need. What a blessing it is. 
The scripture says in Psalm 55, verse 22, casting all, it says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be shaken. So that's our first point this morning. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you want that rest? You can have it in your life today. You can have it not only today, but tomorrow and the next day and all through your life and all through eternity by just accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Take him into your life. Say, Lord, I've messed up my life. I've ruined my life, but I come to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, and he'll do it right now. And he won't say, well, you've got to get your act together. You've got to change. No. He, he says, come as you are. I will change you. And that's the blessing of it. We don't have to change ourselves. He changes us. The second thing he says in verse 29 is he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, this is not a very familiar word to us in our 21st century life, yokes, we don't know that much about yokes, but in the new days of the New Testament, they were very important because they were used to harness two animals together, usually oxen, to do the work for the farmers on their land. And if they didn't have the yoke on them, one ox might say, I'm not going to work with you today. I'm not going to help you today. I don't like working with you. So they have to put the harness on them so they'll work together in harmony. Wouldn't you like to put a yoke on the Democratic Party and the Republican Party and say, okay, you got to work together to help us? Wouldn't that be great? That's a good analogy, I think, of our times today. Let's yoke them up and make them do it. But we can't make people do it. But thank be to God that he talks about a yoke that is a good yoke because he says, I want to be yoked up together with you. And a yoke, as it's defined in the dictionary, is a wooden frame or bar with loops or bows at either end fitted around the necks of a pair of oxen for harnessing them together. Can you imagine that the God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, says to you today, take my yoke upon you. I want to be yoked up with you. I want to be your partner. I want to be your associate. I want to be your God and your Savior. And all you have to do is come to me and bow your neck and put on the yoke, and you will be doing my will. So many people say today, I don't know if I want to be yoked up with Jesus or not. That sounds like kind of a difficult life you're talking about. You've got to go to church and read the Bible, and you get, can't do this, and you can't do that. I'll tell you what, it's not a difficult yoke. He says here in this passage, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ came to take away our burdens, as I said, and the yoke that he has for us is a yoke of goodness, and he wants us to live a life pleasing to him, and he knows that when we're yoked up, we won't tend to go to the left or go to the right. We'll go right down the center of his will. We'll be submitted to him, and that's what he wants us to do. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.14 talked about the yoke also, and he said this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? You know, today we need that yoke, that yoke of equal yokes. We don't need the unequal yoke. And sadly, so many people today, even Christians, might get involved in a relationship that is an unequal yoke with another person who's not a Christian. 
And I tell you young people today, I don't care how handsome that person is or how beautiful that girl is or how nice she is or how nice he is, don't do it. Because the word of God tells you it's a recipe for disaster. So many people think if I'm yoked up with an unsafe person, that's all right, I'll win them to Christ. It doesn't work that way. They will rub off on you. You can't be yoked with an unsafe person. Even in a business relationship, it's not right because two people that are yoked have to be of the same mind and the same heart. And when Jesus says, be yoked with me, he says, come, take my yoke upon you. Yes, his yoke is a good yoke. It's a pleasant yoke because it keeps us in the right path for his glory. And you know, as Christians, after we get saved, we have to choose every day to put on his yoke. Do you know that? Sometimes you might say, I don't want to wear your yoke today, Lord Jesus. I want to try it on my own today. Take off the yoke. What's going to happen? You are going to have guaranteed the worst day you'll ever have. You're going to come back like a crying little puppy, and you're going to say, please, Lord, forgive me. I, why did I take off the yoke? I was doing so well with this yoke. Because it's a yoke that's made for us. It's our size. It's made for our necks. He has a yoke made that's perfectly fitted for Vicki. He has one for Barbara. He has one for Jared. He has one with our name on it. And he knows that we're never going to be fully happy unless we're surrendered to him, living according to his will, being on his plan and his purpose for our lives. So many people have to choose that. Bill McDonald said to take his yoke upon you means to enter into submission to his will, to turn over your control of your life to him. Are you ready to do that this morning? Now, believe me, don't answer that lightly. But if you're ready to turn over the control of your life to Jesus Christ, he will drive the car. He will drive it. But as long as you're in the driver's seat, nobody else can drive your car. I know it's a hard thing. We like to be the driver. But sometimes we have to just say, I'm going to stop right now, Lord. I'm getting out of my car. I'm going to walk around the car and get in in the pa passenger side. Here, Lord, you drive. Are you willing to say that this morning? Lord, you drive my life. Here it is. This will get you into the car. This will get you to drive the car. And then, are we willing to leave the keys with him? Or do we say, Lord, can I have the keys back? Because maybe I want to take a little cruise on my own, a little joy ride. No, you can't do it. You have to say, no, Lord, there are the keys, and that's where they're going to stay with you. Take control of my life. The devil will whisper in your ear and say, you're not having any fun. You're not doing the right thing. Look at you. Yes, I am doing the right thing because Jesus is a better driver than I am. He's never had an accident. He's never had a collision. He's never got a ticket or any of these things because he's the best driver. He wants to drive your life. He wants to drive my life. We may say, Lord, I don't like where we're going right now. But he says, wait, around the next corner, you're going to like it. He knows. So that's why we say, why did you allow this trial, Lord? Because he knows what's around the next bend. He is the perfect driver of our lives. If we're willing to say, Lord, here are the keys. If we're not, that's your choice. God has given you the choice. You can say, I want to be the driver. I want to control my own destiny. I want to be the captain of my own ship. But guaranteed, you'll be captain of a sinking ship. Believe me, 
But when Jesus drives the car, no matter what we go through, we can rejoice in him. You know, I like this word yoke fellow. I found the dictionary definition of a yoke fellow means a companion, partner, or associate. And it even uses the word husband and wife or mate. And I was thinking, God loves me so much. The Lord Jesus loves me so much. He says, Dean, I want you to be my partner. I want you to be my constant companion. I want to be your business associate. Isn't that wonderful that God loves us that much, that he would be that concerned as to care about everything we go through? Just like Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And because he cares for us, we can have that yoke. We can take that yoke upon ourselves. We can give him the control of our lives. And then finally, he mentions, learn from me. One of the most exciting things in the Christian life is to learn from the Lord Jesus Christ, to learn from him. He has so much to teach us. You know, a lot of times nowadays we have the word mentor, and we have a lot of people in this church that are mentors, and they're teaching others about the cause and principles and word of God. And it's so wonderful. But our main mentor is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's with us 24-7. Because we may have a mentor in church, and it's great, and we're with them quite a bit, but the Lord Jesus is with us every moment of every day throughout our lives, and will be with us in eternity. That's why we sang that song this morning, what a friend we have in Jesus. Is Jesus my best friend? Is he your best friend? Can you tell him anything? Yes, you can. You can share anything with him, because he knows what it's like to go through it. He came to earth to go through it for us so that he could feel with us in what we go through in heartache and difficulty. The Lord Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master, Matthew 10, 24. We can know for sure that he is in control. And he has a lot of things to teach us. And the longer you know the Lord, the more you know that you, how much you don't know. Because we learn and we learn and we learn and we say, Lord, I don't know very much. I want to learn more. So we learn more and more, but we won't fully graduate until we get to heaven. That's why the psalmist said in, in the Psalms, teach me your paths. Teach me your way. Teach me your statutes. Teach me to do your will. He has a lot of teaching to do, and I have a lot of learning to do. Roland Hill who was 100 years old, and he preached in this church, not in this building, but in this church, years ago, always would say the same thing, that he's still learning, and he still doesn't know it all. Sometimes you can take off this little tiny cup, like we have for the breaking of bread, and you can take that cup to the ocean, and you can start trying to take out the water from the ocean, one little cup at a time. That's how much knowledge we have of God and his word. His word is unfathomable. It's rich. It's wonderful. It teaches us how to live and how to be victorious in our life. He said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He doesn't want to get you through life as a survivor, but he wants to get you through life as a thriver, one who is victorious. That's the kind of life the Lord Jesus wants us to live. But it's a choice. We have to make the choice. And that's why Jesus offers that. He says, take my yoke upon you, in verse 29, and learn from me. Notice he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Nowadays, you see so many dictators. They're harsh. They're rough. They're tough. They make you obey them. And if you don't, you may become missing and never seen again. That happens in so many countries. But isn't it wonderful to have a leader that's humble, that's gentle, that's kind, that's loving? And believe me, as many good leaders as we have in the world today, and there are many, they don't compare to Christ. Because Christ is God, and he has the ultimate in love, and the ultimate in concern, and the ultimate in gentleness and kindness. And he comes to us and is so gentle. And he waits for us to come to him. He doesn't force us. He gives us a free choice and a free will to come to him. But he loves us so much that he had to come all the way to heaven to, to save us. And there's a beautiful story I read by a Danish theologian by the name of Soren Kiersgaard. And he told a story about a certain kingdom, and I love this story, where there was a handsome prince, and he went out from his home, and he got in his carriage with all his servants, and he went into this little poor village. And as he was going along, and maybe his name was Mike Puzan, and he saw this beautiful peasant girl, but <laughs> she's rich in Christ, by the name of Jamie, and he was so mesmerized by her. He was so, he fell head over heels in love with her, but he said, how am I going to ask for her hand? I live in the palace. I live in, in an expensive place, and I have all these servants and all these things. How can I go and ask this the gentleman who is her father for her hand? What am I going to do? How will I do it? So during the ensuing days, he would go and visit, and he soon fell, he fell, found he fell in love with her, but what is he going to do? And he didn't want her to marry him because he was the prince, and he was rich, and he had all these things. He said, what can I do? What can I do? How will I know whether she loves me for me or for the things that I have? How am I going to decide? So he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take off my royal robes, take them off. I'm going to take off all my jewelry. I'm going to take off the crown on my head. I'm going to take away all my money, all my gold coins and jewels, and I'm going to go to her as a simple man. And that's what he did. He came up with the solution, and he went there. And the two got to know each other, and they shared their thoughts, and, and she soon found that she was in love with him too. And it's a beautiful story, but it, even more so, it illustrates the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved you, and he loved me so much. But how would we accept him? He's way up in heaven. He's God. He said, how will I do it? I will go down to them because they can't come to me. I will go down to them. I will take aside my garments of glory and splendor and honor, and I will set them aside, and I'll put on the clothes of a servant. And I will go to them where they live, and I will talk to them, and I will show them love and compassion and care. And then I'll go to the cross and die for them so that they'll know that I love them. And then they will be mine forever. That's what he did. And that's why it's such a glorious story, such a wonderful love story of the Lord Jesus Christ, the prince who came down to save us, the paupers, to save us, the peasants, to save us, those who are defiled in our sins. He loved us so much. There's an old hymn that says, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. 
He leadeth me by day or by night. His precious living waters flow. So isn't that a wonderful thing this morning? The Lord Jesus has made three commands, three statements. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Second, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That, my friend, is the way to eternal life through Christ, accepting him as Lord and Savior, taking that yoke, letting him have control of your life, saying, Lord, I take all my hopes, all my dreams, all my plans, and I lay them at your feet. Can you say that this morning? And guess what? He's going to give you back better hopes, better dreams, better desires. He's going to do that for you because he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows me better than I know myself, and he loves me in spite of that. When you look at yourself and you see yourself as imperfect, flawed and blemished and all kinds of things, then look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you just like that. But he doesn't want to leave you like that. He wants to change your life and make you a new person today. Today is the day. Today's the day to accept him. And as we go to prayer this morning, if you want Jesus, you can come just like that and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've messed up my life. I've been driving this car, and I've crashed every time. I've lost my insurance. I've been so bad at driving this car of my life. I give it over to you, Lord. Take control. Make me the person you want me to be, and he'll do it. He'll do it today for you. And may the Lord encourage us to know the Lord Jesus as our Savior, to rejoice that he's with us in these troubled times. Take his yoke. Learn from him. Learn his principles and his word. And he will do marvels. He will do wonders. He will do miracles in our life. And I am so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, if there is anyone here today who does not know you, I pray that they will not walk through the doors without you. Help them to realize, Lord, you're a gentle Savior. You're a kind and loving Savior. You will never force anyone to come to you. You are knocking, Lord, at the door of every heart, patiently knocking, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And it's never too late. Before we die, before the rapture comes, Lord, any person can come to you and be saved. And we pray, Lord, that you will bring souls to yourself today. And I also pray for all those who know the Lord Jesus here, that they'll rejoice and be encouraged and comforted by this word as they go and face their problems every day. They'll know that you're with them. You're going to be with us, Lord, in everything that we do. Please encourage us. Please bless us. And we ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus.